In episode 27, Adam and Ben meet Carl Portman, author of the award-winning Chess Behind Bars, who has recently published Chess Crusader. We talk about his writing, his work in prisons, his other writing, including his recent 100th chess column, and his thoughts about chess and life in general, and about tarantulas. <laughs> Don't worry, you've got to, your cake has got to compete with my uh, Jacob's crackers, and uh, the sound of somebody's house being burgled a few a few doors down, which has set the alarm off. Oh. Uh, my my cat, he wants to be fed. Uh, your border collies, and Ben's probably got random interruptions as well. Yeah, I would yeah. say I would say we've got random cats for dogs scratching at the door a little bit. So it's all it's all uh, good. <laughs> well, I do happen to have about forty tarantulas. I mean, if you can top that, well done. <laughs> they don't, they don't make a lot of noise, though. I hope. No, but I tell you, we don't get burglars. Yeah, I bet. Really. It's oh, your house, uh, but, you know, Carl. I mean, the most important thing is is the animals. Is your house a menagerie? Well, it would be if I had my way. I used to have about a thousand tarantulas, but uh, I've been whittled down. We've got three border collies. I've had to be a bit normal. Sue's normal, but as Ben knows, I'm, I'm slightly well, <laughs> just weird. It's good to be weird. I'm trying to imagine yeah. what, it, what it's like to have one tarantula, let alone a thousand. Yeah, yeah I've just had one molting to an adult male, and I'm really pleased because it's a female. So the the matings will begin in about a month. That's fun trying to make two massive tarantulas. I actually literally had to part <laughs> two of them with a knife and fork. The massive Goliath bird eaters and the female wanted oh. to nail the male. Oh, it wasn't easy. Oh, my goodness. I sort of think chess is the easier hobby, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <All> the challenges. <laughs> no. I've nearly <laughs> finished my game. No, no. Well, if I was going to have to separate two mating animals of any species i think i might i might be happier separating a couple of tarantulas you know i'm sure there are worse there are worse yeah. jobs in the world a work colleague of mine was really scared of spiders and she um we all we often have you know um petting zoos and the like come to visit mm. us and at this at one point they had um you know tarantulas and big spiders big bird eating spiders yeah and she conquered her fear of Oh, we uh, see. Uh, how are you, Ben? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you, but not yeah. Adam. No, nor me. We're on. We're on. Yeah. Mm, there you go, then. It's frozen, the man from the frozen. He's back. Are you back, Adam? I'm back. My, my, back. my dodgy internet connection. Oh, no. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I go and do lots of lectures on natural history and tarantulas and all sorts, go to schools and women's institutes and God knows what. And uh, I just like to get out there. One WI said, can you come and do a talk on snakes? And I said, yeah, sure. And when I got there, they all went mad and said, we have, there aren't any pictures of snakes. Well, there will be, ladies, <laughs> considering that's what you asked me to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. May contain nuts. May yeah. contain nuts, but they're the toughest gig ever. I used to brief even ministers and generals, as Ben knows, but I tell you, the WI, yeah. they're the hardest. The WI actually mark you with clipboards, and they look you up and down and go, oh, he's oh, yeah. quite tall, that's four marks. <laughs> now, now Ben knows you very well, but I yes. don't know you at all, Carl. So what is your background? What brings you to Tarantulas and Women's Institute talks? Uh, well, they, they just say that interest is where you find it. You pick things up in life, don't you? I'm sure you do. do. Yeah. I mean, I spent 30 years with the MOD, so most of my uh, working life, if you like, was here in uh, Germany, working with the military. Yeah. Uh, right. But I do loads of other things. I mean, I've written a couple of books on natural history I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm exotic animals and I like all the animals that other people don't I mean we've all done the pink and fluffy and koala bears pandas and dogs but what about the other guys scorpions and snakes I mean they have to have a shop steward absolutely honestly I'm just I'm amazed you guys that I never occurred to me you guys wouldn't know each other it just shows that you know yeah. even in chess world so so I feel really privileged to have brought together two, <laughs> two of my favorite people and I feel well, like I, mean, I should I should call us to order and I suspect, Carl, you need very little introduction to most of our listeners. But for those who maybe don't know you as well, um, 
you're a prolific writer. You just got your new book out called Chess Crusader, which we're very keen to talk to you about. You write very regularly for Chess Magazine, and you've just had your 100th column published, and we would definitely like to explore that with you. And on top of that, you'll be ECF manager for Chess in Prisons and do an awful lot of work there. So there's a huge array of stuff that we'd like to like to sort of to get into with you, Carl, if that's okay. And I don't know, Adam, where, where, do you, where should we start? Should we start, start with Chess Crusader? Is that a, a good place to think about? Um, I, I don't know. Should we start from the beginning or should we start from the end and work backwards? That's always a good... Uh... <laughs> you choose, Carl. How do you want to do this? Well, if, if, it were, if it were Chess and I was coaching the junior, I'd say, yeah. let's start at the end and work backwards. Let's yeah, not do let's, the opening. Let's do yeah. That. Let's do a bit of retrograde analysis on Carl. Aye, aye, why not? (laughs) Well, I mean, first of all, uh, thank you to anybody who is listening to this, and uh, I do appreciate it. It's it's um, it's nice to write. I mean, I I don't know Adam very uh, well. We haven't met, we haven't spoken, but I'm aware of all the prolific work that you've done. And Ben and I meet across the board occasionally and end up in a draw. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, know, that's true. Actually, yeah. yeah. Starting like Chess Crusader came about in this good old lockdown that we've all had, and um, you, you, somebody said to me, "Do you ever get bored?" And, I, and you, of course, we've all read on on Twitter and in the news during the last two years of people who say, "You know, I'm bored. I'm bored. I can't get out. I'm so bored." And I said, "Well, I can never be bored. Not a single day of my life because I play chess." And um, I started to think about a few things and thought, you know what, it's time to write a memoir. You don't have to be a grandmaster or a great player to write a chess memoir because so many of us can relate to, you know, what happens with our great games. So you just pick up your pen and you start to write and off you go. Ben, is it that easy? Yeah, well, I'm lucky because I'm I, I like writing and I never really struggle for ideas, even on my magazine articles. I mean, other other areas in life I really do. If you tried painting, yeah. I'll, you know, utterly, I, I can't visualise anything for painting. It's it's utterly hopeless. But writing, I'm never short of material. Whether it's any good or not is up to other people. But <laughs> absolutely, it's your job to get it down on on paper. Yeah, but I think yeah. I think I think what always strikes me about you, you Carl, you know, known you for a long time. I've read a lot of your stuff. We've been lucky to spend a lot of time together. Is just just your energy and your enthusiasm and the way in which you kind of make things happen. But I think other people wouldn't ha- wouldn't be able to, you know. So for example, you know, I read Chess Crusader, and you know, you, you, I'm going to mispronounce his name now, but Paul Lesky, um pronounce it better than, than that. That will um, do. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so so he ends up, you know. He ends up spending a weekend with you and, you know, going over games in games in your house. And I think how many like chess players can say, oh, yeah, I just had a top Soviet GM round for the weekend. So, you know, and yet because you ask, you kind of make these things happen. And I, I just wonder, is that sort of your approach to life, really, in terms of, you know, pushing these boundaries a little bit, maybe? Definitely. And, and I'm, if I if I if I could ever advise anybody, I would tell them what my nan told me when I was just about eight years old. She said, in a lovely Scottish bill, you know, you can ask for whatever you like, laddie. You might not get it, but you can ask for it. Mm. And I've always stood by that. You know, I, you know, I wrote to Pologreski and, uh, you know, I write to people. I think, you know, if I don't ask people, I'll never know. And so I do it. And, and more often than not, people are really amenable and say, yeah, absolutely, I'd like to do it. I mean, Patrick Moore, for example, mm. yes, we became friends, but I read his autobiography and he wrote about chess in there. It sounded really sad to me that he wasn't still playing. So I just thought, well, I'll, I'll write to him. I'll write and ask him if he wants to play. And he was back in a shop. Oh, yes, he said. So sometimes we think that other people might be thinking in a certain way. But unless we ask them, we don't really know. So, yeah. But then but then somebody like Adam organizes, does things I could never do. You know, organizing events, organizing these chess events again and again and again would drive me up the wall because you rely on other people. And I'm sure Adam knows what I mean. If you, I'm, yeah. I'm terrible, really. I'm not a good delegator. I like to, Ben knows I've organised a few things. I like, I kind of, I'll, I'll do it, I'll do it. And if I rely on other people and they let me down, I'm not too happy about it. So I take yeah. my hat off to Adam. That's very kind of you. <laughs> You're always a very good host for Carl, because, you know, I've been lucky enough, Carl's organised lots of, Lots of symbols, you know, Nigel Short and mm. Tanya Sashadev and others, but you know, John Nunn, I've been lucky enough to play in 
some of them. But you always seem very calm on the day, Carl, I would I would say. But I guess that's maybe not how you feel inside. No, I think I'm a bit dazed. I've learned that you shouldn't really play these people when you, you organise the events as well. Um, but you know what? To be honest, I mean, lots of people know me. I, I, I moan on Twitter and I do all sorts of things and I can be curmudgeonly. But at the end of the day, I think that the scent of the rose lingers longest on the hand of the giver. And I like to bring enjoyment chess to other people. And I'm not, a great, I'm not a very good chess player in the end of it, but I like to see other people enjoying the game, meeting people that they might not otherwise meet. Uh, and I, I get great pleasure from doing that. And I, and I always will. And of course, you know, you write in Chess Crusader about how you first discovered chess when you were at school, the school teacher, he was Mr. Linton who, who um, kind of welcomed you into the school chess club and, you know, chess was very important to you from very, a very early age. It was almost like a refuge for you, would you say, in some ways, Carl, you know, when you were a kid? It's true. It, probably even a lifesaver in many ways. Mm. I mean, I've written in the book that you know, I'm not one of these people who ever blames a childhood for things that happen today, because I think I've made quite a good push of it. But uh, without chess, honestly, I, I can't tell you where I'd have ended up. I could have ended up in the gutter. I definitely would have, there would have been like some kind of a weird violence treat. Who knows? But chess, throughout chess, the day that I found the game, I was I was destined then to, to meet fantastic people like you guys, like everybody I've met in chess pretty much and, and go to places I've never have gone to before. And who knows? You know, you never know when you're going to be hit by some brilliant bolt of lightning in your life that takes you away from all the, the bloody grief and madness of, of reality sometimes. And so... It was a violent upbringing. You know, my dad, my real dad, I think, left before I was even three months old. And I didn't like my childhood. But then along came the master game when I was you know, 12, 13, 14. You know about that. And it was, oh, yeah. I can't tell you, I, I almost can't put into words how important that was to me. I could get beaten in the week, whatever. I mean, beaten up. It wouldn't matter as long as the master game was on, as long as I could have that half an hour of magic. And of course, it was so... It was so brutally base compared to today. You know, you got this rubbishy old coffee table, and the pieces were moved by a man with a black glove on. But it was <laughs> I loved it though. Loved yeah, it. you know it, don't you? And I look at it today, and I love it every bit as much. And I, you know, thank God we still got some DVDs so I can sit down and watch that. And that's the only time really I like to revisit my childhood, if you like, because that set me on the path, um, as it did for many of us. Yeah, yeah, strangely enough, I mean, I've got a lot of DVDs. And if I had to give away all my DVDs, except maybe one or two, I would save the Master Game. I'm very, yeah. you know, I'll watch them again and again. What a good man you are. I mean, because it, it's value, it's, it's, it's much more to it. It's just like supporting my football team. This is where everybody turns off, Aston Villa, and they have to go with my beloved team. But it's, they, I try to get them to understand it. If you insult my team, you insult my my background, my childhood, my uncle, my grand, you know, everybody, <laughs> everything about me is that blasting club, you know. So it's yeah. a bit like that with the master game. Everything in that master game was about where I was back in the in the day there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm similar because I found chess a great retreat from, you know, the turmoil of, of the rest of the world. Yeah. It was like it was like my my kind of zen you know, when I'm playing chess, I can forget about everything else. No one can disturb me. No one's allowed to disturb me. It's it's a formality of you know the formal game. Yeah. Um, you can just you can just hide from the rest of the world and impose this kind of structure uh, on on life that doesn't really exist. But you can you can impose it artificially through chess, and that's that's really where I where I found uh, solace when I was a kid. Yeah, it's 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 an escape from the, the madness. Like I say, I mean, it's not chess is even quieter than libraries that you go in, and it's this thing about weekend congresses that you think, you know what? I've got three days. I haven't got three border collies around me. I don't have to do this and do that. I can sit down, play chess. You don't even hear clocks ticking anymore. No, I know day. it's weird though. It's weird. That's worse. That's worse than. I mean, that's not really proper silence. I mean, I remember I I used to hang around a lot in libraries. And then when I first went to a chess tournament, um, I couldn't believe it. You know, just 300 people sitting, you know, in a, in a big room, silently playing the game. And I thought, this is it. I've, I've, I've come home. And, and I felt this was perfect. You know, I felt really at ease there. 
And it's because you own it. I mean, uh, I know all chess players understand this, but I'm trying to explain to my long-standing non-chess playing friends, you know, it's, it, it's first of all, it's enforced quiet, which is brilliant. You, mm. But you own that silence. You own that game. You know, it's all, it's all yours. Mm. But there's a massive fight going on. And I say in the intro to my book, you know, people just wouldn't understand what goes on in our heads at whatever level we are. Grandmaster mm. down to whatever beginning, you know, it's that struggle, that tension. Now, why do we do it? Now, Ben knows we've had this chat. Why on earth do we go back for another tournament and more of the same? I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's chess. That's why we do it. It's, I mean, it is absolutely addictive. I mean, as you say, I think for all three of us, it's given us so much, you know, for all of us, you know, when we look back at our lives and stuff, it will be, chess will be, you know, such, such a big part of it. And, you know. Well, let me ask you, I'm asking you, I'm turning the tables on you too. <laughs> if you're, if you, this is a bit maudlin, but if you're in the coffin in the ground, what what one chess thing that you, you two own would there be with you? Would it be the master game? Mine's a signed Car Anatoly Karpov book, his memoir, but what about you two? Gosh, I'm not sure I'd have anything to play it on, so I'm not sure I'd, I'd, I'd want to go with, I'd want to go with that. It'd probably be a nice chess set. Yeah, well, they might have chess sets in the next world. Yeah, it's, it's a really good. Cause I think you know what I would take. I would take some chess magazines. Like yeah. if I could have a bound, a bound <laughs> set, that would be quite good. That would probably do me. <laughs> Yeah, imagine. Just imagine if there is another a, a chess afterlife. It'd be brilliant. I mean, of course, you know, you, you know one of the best chess jokes, don't you? I'm sure people yeah. out there must know it, is that one where the two really old men were playing chess week after week. They're in their 90s, and one day one of them died, and uh, the other guy was really sad. And in his sleep one night, he was visited by his friend who said, Hey, Alf, he said, Oh, it's wonderful up here in heaven. It's absolutely brilliant. He said, Is it? He said, oh, Yeah, there's some good news and bad news, though. He said, give me the good news. The good news is you can play anybody, whatever your strength, Karpov, Kasparov, Fisher, anyone you like, live or dead, you can play them. He said, well, that's marvellous, he said. And what's the bad news? He said, <laughs> you've got white against Capablanca next Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I mean, it's a good one. So maybe there is, maybe maybe we've all got it wrong. And it's, you know, the, the, the requirement to get in wherever you're going is to, to light chess and have a book or a set. There you go. And you go, look, Adam, he's got his set. In you go. Yeah, you need to have a set. Yeah, you do. I'm not too good at blindfold chess. Carl, do you, do you think, I mean, life after COVID, um, do, you, do you think people are going to have trouble restarting after such a long layoff? I mean, I haven't played a serious game of chess for a, two years and it fills me with... A, trepidation you know that my first league game is going to be really uh interesting <laughs> it's a it's a great question i'm really glad to know that i'm not the only one that hasn't played a single game for two years so thank yeah. you for that um i think we're suffering from ptcs you must have heard of that post-traumatic chest syndrome yeah and, uh, you know i i want to get back to the board um it's tricky it's difficult but i i, I believe in my experience of life that we will get back there'll be a new kind of normal and we will just look back on this it might be a year two years might be but we look back on all sorts of crises don't we mm. you know from bread strikes in the 70s and this that and the other and chaos and you know wars and we look back we'll get the chess will prevail it's just i cannot see it not prevailing even i have to say when everybody says with the with the um, advent of the queen's gambit uh, let's capitalize now before it all dies off I don't, I'm not so dystopian in my view. It won't die off so quickly. Well, the, the roots are there. The grassroots are there. We'll, we will grow it again. People are a bit afraid. I understand that. But people are also raring to go. And once we do, fine. Yeah, I think I've managed to get in. <laughs> I've got in quite a few games, so I feel, you know, and, and it has been, it has been a bit strange going back to the board. And, you know, you know, sort of played in a couple of four NCL tournaments where, you're not allowed to spectate and so on and you know it's all very sensible in terms of you know but i think we, we're getting to a point now where you know everybody who wants to be double jabbed is double jabbed and mm. you know life has to sort of prevail doesn't it really so i just think one day this recording will go down if aliens ever land in like two a million years time they go well you know what happened there when you see certain tournaments like the nato tournaments are playing mm -hmm. the first time ever saying you know no tournament held well what happened there was there's some meteor that hit the planet. But mm. you know, even now, 
okay, we, it's, this isn't about COVID, I know, but I mean, I'm double jabbed. But double jabs still get COVID, and, and there's all the panic still goes on. Well, I'm double jabbed, and I've got it, and I'm not safe with the mask, and I can People are still wary. They're still confused. Yeah, yeah I think. Today. I think. Yeah, we may have lost. We may have lost uh, quite a lot of players who who just won't come back to chess. They'll find something. I know people who've taken up other pursuits. Yeah. Uh, like golf, you know, something yeah. something out in the open air. Well, and, even uh, I have. I mean, this is heresy. I play for for Banbury, but I mean, in the last two years, you know. I've, I've now Thursday night is Banbury chest night. That aside, I started to play snooker on a Thursday. <laughs> and, you know, I love snooker. We've, we've just four, four of us go down. And of course, yeah. a bit like chess, it's tough where we're going to play this, how am I going to play that? Do I defend? Do I attack? Do I play a so? And, and they also, oh, you can tell the chess player, you know, he's not just playing to pot, he's playing, you know, moving around, maneuvering. And I really enjoy it. And I'm thinking, oh, what do I do? Do I go back to a chess club or ask them to move chess nights? <laughs> yeah. But I'm quite interested, Carl, in terms of, it sounds like a silly question, but hopefully it's not, in terms of where you rank actually playing chess personally amongst the other chess things you do, you know, particularly the writing and the prisons work in terms of, you know, which which is most important and, and why and how do, you, how, how, how do you put them together? I'll be honest with you. I play chess every day of my life. Uh, I am terrible for light chess. You know, we all do it. You go, oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if I, it's a perfect excuse. Like, have a cup of tea, don't we, or something. Or, or Sue brings me some cake, and I go, well, you know what? I've got 10 minutes. 10 whole minutes. <laughs> I'm going to go on light chess. Brilliant. And then an hour later, she's like, uh, Carl, and what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. The lawn doesn't know itself. You've got to get dressed now, Carl. Yeah, no, it's, true. it's all true. I mean, in lockdown, of course, I, I looked like I was a, a raw sleeper. It was, it's <laughs> tremendous. And I, you know, and I grew up. I with the board. Like, well, it, yeah. You know when, you know when Bobby Fisher came back from Japan. Yes. That. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could play like that. But yeah, I so I, I rate it. I, I have to play chess every day in some format or other, even on my phone. Uh, because I love it so much, it's, it's a highlight. But mm. I, I do enjoy my writing, I must admit, because it's a release, isn't it? Like a chess game is a release mm. for us. It's, it's an outlet. Uh, There's so many things to write about. There's so many things happening. And, and when I reflect, I, I I really have met some fantastic people that have, have helped to shape my life and my thinking. And uh, I really want... People kind of enjoy my amateur columns, so... I'm going to keep doing it. You know, when we think about chess magazines and books, it's us, isn't it, that buys them. The top masters don't really buy them. They get given copies. I mean, we're the, we're the lifeblood, the amateur player. We buy the yeah. books, we get the DVDs, we put the money in, we invest in it. So why not write something that people can relate to? And that's the point. I think people can obviously relate to your columns because, you know, you use a lot, a lot of your own games. You're very honest. You're not just showing, hey, here's my brilliant win from the other week. You're showing, you know, I think you said in your column this month, you know, you, you, you've shed more defeats than you have victories over the years. You're quite open about mistakes. And I think that's much more real than, hey, here's my latest brilliancy. And, you know, because that's because you're, you're, you're writing about what most of us experience ourselves at the board. So that's very relatable. Well, I just think, and one of my favourite games ever was a loss. I think Peter Henson, British Championships. I mean, it absolutely annihilated me, but he mm. did it in such a way. You know, when you play a game now and again, you think, I don't believe my opponent. I can take that pawn. He's giving me <laughs> something else. I don't believe him. This is utter rubbish. I'm a reasonable player. I can see what's going on, no problem. And then all of a sudden, like Muhammad Ali steps into the room, boom, boom, and you're on the ropes and you think, how did that happen? And he gave me a roasting, but it was a brilliant roasting because I learned some lines I'd never seen before and will probably never see again. And uh, and I owe him one, and I'm grateful to him for that. Mm. It was just a wonderful game. And uh, and what, what I really liked was I, I found kind of the best moves. I fought as hard as I could like a tiger and got into the end game, but he still nailed me. But um, yeah. Probably didn't take him long to put his car tires back up, but never mind. It's very interesting, Ben, because my answer to your 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 question mm, would be, mm. I, I probably I, I would miss playing chess. I you know I, there's no doubt about it, but I would I would miss reading about chess and enjoying the game mm. through literature far more. You know, if I couldn't if I couldn't pick up a book, I mean I've got thousands of chess books, but if I if I couldn't just pick up at one one of Carl's articles and read about chess uh, and I would be very sad to miss that. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I totally get that. It's so hard, isn't it? I think, and I guess if I was to answer my own question, I think there's something about the adrenaline rush that you get from being at the board, but nothing else will will give you that, I don't think, you know. But you're right, you know, increasingly, you know, for, for me, sort of reading about it is, is very important to me. Like, you know, I, I read a lot anyway, and I read as many chess books as, as I can, you know. My writing is important to me, and I like, I obviously like, yeah. you know, like doing that. In some ways, it's kind of like, there are times when, you know, there's that little bit of my brain that says, hey, you know, you can play a 27-minute bullet chess tournament on live chess in one minute, and you say, no, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do, do do my work, <laughs> work instead. Yeah. It's, um, and it's such a rich game. I mean, I mean, Carl said on on the blurb for chess behind bars yeah. um, that chess was a metaphor for life. And you know, yeah. I, I actually I really believe that. You know, you wouldn't take it too literally. You know, but but it is um, the most amazing struggle condensed into sixty four squares, and you can get so much pleasure. I get I get a lot of pleasure reading about mm. other people's struggles over the chessboard. Mm. And I can kind of take some of the lessons from their games away, but just it just amazes me what goes through some players' heads while they're while they're playing chess. And to see it in print is is my one of my greatest pleasures. Mm. And it's permanent as well. It's great to, you know, you've got this permanence. If I pop my clogs today, at least I've got some articles there that were fun at least. But yeah. I tell you this, as I get older, I bring even more of chess into life because for example. I can't remember if it was, maybe it's Jonathan Rosen, one of his excellent books, but he said, don't bring baggage into the game. Mm. You know, you lose a pawn or something, and we've all done it when we're young, when you go, oh, it's the end of the world, I'll lose the game. Stop it. Stop bringing the baggage. You, you are at the move you're at now. The other guy's got to win it. And I, and I often tell people in life, told somebody yesterday who's having a problem with a relationship, look, mm. stop bringing the baggage. Don't worry about mm. what happened. If you played chess, you go, I'm playing on. I'm not resigning. I'm going to keep going. And chess does that. And it gives us, I think we are a, a special group of people, if you like, that we are resilient and we understand what it means to, to, to keep going. It's easy to give up, isn't it? To walk yeah. away from the board. You know, we've all spent two hours nursing some absolutely disgusting position that you, you know you're going to lose, but you <laughs> cannot walk away. You just yeah. will not. And I think there's always hope. There's always hope. And yeah. it built, you know, if we were ships, we'd be great in a port. We'd be safe. But ships weren't built to go into ports. Yeah. They were built to go out on sea. And chess is the sea that builds your character. I don't care what anyone says. It doesn't, it doesn't build a child's character. It reveals it. That's mm. my, yeah, you've got your character from pretty much day one. And we've all seen it with kids from children that are, you know, will have tempers if they lose to others. Go, well, you know, whatever, it's the game. Mm. And, and chess is that thing that tests us, isn't it? You know, we've, have you ever had to dig deep and really find yourself? Yeah, actually, I have, because I started chess when I was seven or something, you know. Yeah, okay, I get that. Yes, I agree. In chess, you have to learn to start from where you are, not from where you were. And there's always hope if you, you know, obviously it helps to be, you know, a fairly decent chess player, but it's a good life lesson to learn that you should really, you know, start fresh with every position and not give up. Sure. Well, I mean, most successful business people have, have got a string of failures behind mm -hmm. them. And in a, in a way, you can see that in, in chess. You have to lose an awful lot of games yeah. to become a decent player. Yeah. yeah. I so I've got a question for both of you then, really, which is like two parts of really, which is how competitive are you both? Because, you know, because away from a board, you're such amiable people, but, you know, at the board, how competitive are you? And the other thing that I struggle with sometimes is, do you ever feel sorry for your opponent? And does that ever impact your own enjoyment or your own approach to the game? Because I, I struggle with these questions. So I'd be really interested to know how you guys sort of- I, I would say just briefly, I'm hugely competitive, yeah. but I, I probably hide it quite well, but I don't, I don't play anything without aiming to win. Yeah. I don't mind, I, as long as I enjoy it, I don't mind not winning. That's the difference because I realize that, you know, there are, there are some things I, I'm never going to be um, really good at. So, for instance, um, I took up real tennis because the guys that you know just happened to have a real tennis court at where um, Middlesex University, where I worked, and the guys. The reason I took it up was the guys there kept comparing it to tennis cross with chess, 
And I said, you know, I said, that can't possibly be true. They said, have a go and see what you think. And it was, it was a bit like 3D snooker. And I realized I was never going to be a very good real tennis player, but I wanted to improve. You know, I really wanted, I wasn't going to go into that court thinking that, um, you know, I'm going to lose this match. And they have a fantastic handicapping system. So I was able to play some of the, the best players in the club on even, you know, on an even playing field. And um, yeah, I am a very competitive player. Whatever I, whatever I do. And what about, how do you feel about your opponent, Adam? Like... I, often, I often feel sorry for my opponent. Yeah. If, if you know, if, if, if I win, you know, I know what it, how crushing it is to lose, especially when you've been, yeah. you've been winning. Oh, it's the most, I, it keeps me up at night. Even now I, I will wake up and uh, just curse. There's certain moves that stick in my memory and I'll, I'll never forget them. And uh, just every, ever so occasionally, you know, my mind, when I'm in a negative frame of mind, which isn't often, you know, my mind drifts to those positions where, where I stuffed up against somebody who was 2400 or, you know, lost a really good ending where I'd played perfectly yeah. right up until that point. And then just made the wrong, I had A and B and I chose the wrong move. And I just think, well, all right, I have to be philosophical about it but um you know i never you can't forget these things yeah and what would you say carl <laughs> well because we're chess players we can pretty much echo what we each other here i mean yeah. I, first of all, if, it, if, it, if it's competition i'm really clear about it like with these these new gentlemen on a thursday night with a snoop you know they're, they're all they're, they're in their 60s but they're good guys and i say look if it's competition i want to win yeah, in life, we can do other things, no problem. I'm not bothered. You can have a parking space. You can do I'm all right. But if it's a competition, I'm not in it to come second. It's just the way that it is. And um, uh, to be honest, I, I'm a, you know, was it Ali Ekin that said to be a chess player, you have to be a beast of prey and a monk. I like to think I'm both because I am soft, really, at heart. I know my heart is. I do feel sorry for my opponents sometimes. If they make a mistake, it's a good game. But as I mentioned in my book, um, yeah, I mean, we've all played one or two people where you think, you know what, I just don't like you. I have got to beat you no matter what happens. And there have not been many people in my life, but there's been two or three where I've just really thought, I don't care if this, if this is blood, we're going, I'm going to play on. You really dig deep, don't you? You just, you have to, don't you? Yeah. Some people that you just, I've made, named no names from people that kick you under the table and keep you. Yeah. Talking. You know what, you've got to go. If there is a God, please just help me beat this idiot. You know, I just, you, you can't believe it sometimes. And of course, prisons is even, is, even, is like that. As you know, I've done a few symbols in prisons and that. And I did one in a, a Category A prison with terrorists and murderers and rapists. And the prison officer said, you know, these, these guys don't like to lose. And I just looked at him and I said, well, you tell them I don't like to lose either. This is chess. I don't yeah. care what they've done or haven't done. They don't know what I've done or haven't done. Game on. You know, I, I'm out to win and I'm giving them nothing. And that's the competitive edge, really, isn't it? Carl, oh, tell, us, tell us how you got involved with chess in prisons. Well, to be honest, a few years ago, pre-2014, I saw a position available. And I, I mean, I've never been in prison, but I have mentioned that from childhood I could have gone down the wrong path and could have ended up there. And I, I you know, prison is a community of people. We look after communities, children, juniors. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to reach out. I'm not soft. People who are inside are inside. If you do the crime, do the time. I'm far from being soft. But I thought, come on. I, I just read a report once that said people keep on going back to prison again and again, and they have all these, you know, this educational program. It's not working. And I thought, right, this is it for me. What about chess? I know what it did for me. Uh, and, I, and the ECF had somebody in position. I don't know who they were. And they, they to be fair, didn't do a lot, and they left quickly. So. I applied and, and off we went from there. And it's one of the best things I've ever done, obviously, because it's it makes such an impact and such a difference. You can't, well, I'll speak for myself. You, you think you have an idea what it's like being in, in prison, but until you speak to them, they're so detached from everyday life, just a small thing like a magazine or a chess set. It's just massive. It's just a massive gift. And uh, who wouldn't want to keep doing that? How did you manage to persuade um, the prison service to to take it up? 
because it's quite difficult, isn't it, to, yeah. to get an in, you know? Yeah, you know, I wrote to everybody. I wrote to uh, I wrote to all sorts of influential people, including uh, I forgot her name there. Who wrote um, Harry Potter? Who wrote J.K. Rowling? J.K. Rowling. I wrote to J.K. I wrote to all sorts of uh, rich people, and God knows what. I said, look, give me just. I never do this. No, give me some money. I, I want to do this. Do that. I wrote to ministers, and uh, it was really hard. So many people said, "Yeah, we support it, but there's no money." Uh, to be fair, I will drop a name. I'm not being political here, but Michael Gove, when he was Secretary for Justice, he was the best with me. He wrote back. He said, well, I'm with you. We, we want to do this. We'll try something. Of course, they're only in for a year, and off they go, and they're replaced by somebody else. So just making headway, and uh, I lost him. So it is hard. You've got to get basically out into the prison governor, because if you don't get past the prison governor, you won't get into the prison, really. Um, so you just keep going. I write fifty letters. I might get two replies, but that's good enough. That's two replies, and I'll work on that. Mm. And now I'm well known in the system. So like today, I've been invited to a prison, uh, and it, they just keep coming in. I never have to ask. Mm. They all through my prison newspaper column. Everybody reads it and says, "Yeah, keep coming." I can't. I can't. I can't reach enough prisoners. To be fair, I mean, I had a letter this week just to mention. My guy that sounded so desperate, he said, look, I'm in, I've got about another 30 years. I'm really in a desperate place. All I want, all I want is a chess set. If I could just have a chess set, it would change my life forever. Now you'd think, you'd say, okay, I'll give you a chess set. Mm. But you can't just send one. It depends what prison, because they can be used as weapons. I've sent magazines that have been sent back saying, what's this, KE5, BE4, this is... This is rush. This is cold. Yeah, you know these things happening, really. And then another guy wrote back to me and said, "Oh, thanks for the chess magazine, mate. That was brilliant." And I said, "Did you enjoy it?" He said, "Oh, not bloody reading it." He said, "I, I put it down my pants in case I get stabbed." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you chess really can save lives. <laughs> it's amazing that you can't just you can't just do a simple thing like donate a chess set. No, I've done it, and things get, you know, in inverted commas, lost, don't they? People go, oh, and I'm not going to name names, but there are certain prisons where I've got more confidence that things will get through than others. I've sent books before now, they never got there. Yeah. And then, of course, you receive letters from understandably frustrated prisons saying, you promised me this, and I haven't had it. And then my wife says, oh, my God, you know, when they get out, you're going to your house down or something. But, you know, hey, case yeah. yeah. I was very struck with Carl by the number of letters you do get from prisoners, and that must be, you know, like some of them. You might be the only person who they have who they can write to, and you, you know, it must be. I mean, it's great that you're there as that resource. It must feel like a big responsibility for you, though, as well. Yeah, it is a big responsibility because people tell me all sorts of things. As you yeah, can sure. But people, but it's, a lot of it is mostly good. That's the power of chess. You know, when people say. I didn't speak to my father for 20 years. Then we started to play chess, reading your column, wrote to my dad, and now through chess we play and we're back together again. I mean, it's lovely, isn't it? That's not me, that's chess. I mean, you know that chess has that power. And, Absolutely, uh, yeah. And it's great, all those things that, you know, I, I think I've, um, I've written in chess behind bars. People were literally going to take their own life and then they found chess, which as Adam says quite rightly, in prison, they just want a quiet game. They don't want to argue and fight around the pool table. Just we can sit and play chess. We, it's one language. We have Albanians, we have, we have Russians, all sorts of people. We can't understand each other, but we just play chess. And it's one language. Everyone knows yep. chess. It's a win-win. And it's yeah. a beautiful thing in a way. So we keep on going. Yes, yeah. I've heard there's a, a similar chess in hospitals kind of volunteer mm. program. And I can I can appreciate that because I know somebody who's, you know, their their lives were transformed by somebody volunteering to just come in and play chess with them regularly in hospital while they were stuck there for months, you know. And I think I think uh, yeah, there's a big role. That chess is quite therapeutic. It can it can be quite traumatic, but but it, it's gen generally a positive thing. Well, you can play it anywhere, of course. You can take yeah. a chess. I call it the Holy Trinity, a chess set, a chess book and a chess clock, and you can take the Holy Trinity into yourself. Yeah. And I mean, there are other things. You, you, I ask you the question, and, and anybody listening to this podcast, why don't we have chess sets in every care home in Britain? Mm. You've got people that are deteriorating mentally. They are absolutely crying out for some, you know, 
mental mental floss, if you like, some engagement. Why aren't we putting chess sets in, in care homes? Let's go the other end of the spectrum to juniors as well. There's a lot of work to be done there. And um, that's something else I'd like to, to look at. I, I, I must say, I did say again in the book that, I, you know, we've all coached different people. I've gone from eight-year-olds to a 94-year-old priest. And I did have this one guy who wanted to learn the college system. And uh, I showed him a move and he, he tried something else and he exchanged a piece when he shouldn't. And I said, look, you don't need to exchange here. It's not the right moment. But, oh, he said, okay, I've got you, I've got you. He said, right, no exchanging. That's the right. Let's set them up again and we'll try the variation again. So he set them up again, got to the same moment, and he exchanged again. And I said, no, we're not going to exchange there, remember? He said, oh, I can't bloody remember. I've got Alzheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yeah. how am I going to – I said, yeah. are you sure you want to do? He said, I just want to win a game at my club. And I thought, how, how can I do – how can I get him to remember this? And we, we did it. We did it, and we had a couple of ways of doing it, one with a, a little song, funny enough. And, uh, mm. and then he rang up one night – out of the blue, suits up the call, and he said, just tell Carl I've won a game at the club. And that was I mean, it. I remember reading that story, <laughs> Colin, because I was, I was just so touched by it, because it showed we all have such you know different goals in chess, but you helped him achieve something that part of him probably thought he could never do and must have meant so much to him, and, you yeah. know, it's just so lovely. Yeah, he, 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 was, he was a happy man. He yeah. literally like, I just need to win one single game. Yeah. Mind you, people listening might think, well, what are you doing teaching in the collie? But never mind, I couldn't think of anything else. No, I'm a big fan. Did he retire from chess after that? He did, I never heard from him again. <laughs> <laughs> Your work was done, Carl. Your work was done. Yeah, he gave yeah. me a Christmas card before he won that game, and then that was the end of it. It's like, yeah, my, my job here is over. Yeah. But, yeah, that's really great. And, and can I just say, we, we can't forget camera. I know many people do much more than I do in chess, you know, Adam and these tournaments he organises, we haven't spoken, but I, I admire him so much from afar and people have worked with juniors because, you know, I had a junior that was really in bits and he said, I can't even do maths, I can't do my homework. And through chess, he learned, he learned to think better. And I said, look, if we do two move checkmates, you know that the checkmate is there. So you know the answer is there. And then we transferred that eventually to his, math, to his maths homework. Go look, you know, the, the sum, the final total is there. It's not a trick. You've just got to work your way through. Think of knights and bishops. And he worked a way to transfer that from chess to his maths. And he improved at maths. And his mother was so pleased. And they said, we love the chess, but we're, we love even more that he's got better at maths through the game. So it's just, isn't it just a winner with our game that you can transfer mm. things immediately to other areas of life? Mm. Yeah. And, and I've seen it happen firsthand that it doesn't have to be chess just kids who are struggling just need something that they're good at that they can feel that they can they, they can they can impress their peers with you know yeah. I'm, I'm the best at chess amongst my my peers uh, it yeah. could be anything but in in my case it happened to be chess and then somehow there's a knock-on effect on the rest of your 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 attitude to uh, all the other subjects that you're studying mm. so there's you know it's all positive and a lot of kids don't get the opportunity to try anything let alone chess you know they don't have parents who will take them around the country and you know tr yeah. you know pay for lessons in music and you know sport and yeah. things like that so just to have chess which is so cheap it's so easy to learn um you don't need, you can make your own chess set you know at one point i did make my own chess set mm -hmm. um you don't need any money really to enjoy chess you don't even need a chess clock you don't even need a chess actually if you can if you can just you know I, i've i've enjoyed many many a book without taking out a chess set yeah um it can it can transform your life definitely yeah i mean i read a book uh, i think i'm really sad you know this is like a bedroom secret but i've got you know i'm, I'm older these days i've got about three <laughs> chess books all those three chess books by the bed you know and you pick them up and uh you know, I've got I've got Nigel Short's latest and uh, oh, I, yeah. I'm tweeting now and again and I was going to do this naughty tweet saying I was in bed with Nigel Short last night but I thought that uh, <laughs> I best not we live, we live in modern times and somebody's bound to be offended aren't they you know <laughs> but what can you do so I opted for Magnus Carlsen instead <laughs> yeah. 
you know, but it's great. I like it. Gets me off to sleep. It's great. We just, I'm sure other people do. You just have a little weave through, and yeah. yeah. But as you get older, I keep getting these magazines like the latest New in Chess, which is a, a great product, by the way. But mm. a friend came around. He said, "Well, I've got mine. I haven't even opened it." Normally, I've got unopened things on the table, you know, because mm. life goes on. So at some point, I've got to read that. But uh, no, it's just it's all good. Well, tell us a bit more about your your book. You know, we haven't really talked much about the content of your your latest i think the best way to describe it is that it's not just a book for for people interested in chess but it is about finding something as you referred to earlier finding something in life or something finding you that influences you and stays with you throughout your life and i really started to write about all kinds of scenarios that uh, chess helped me places that, that chess taught me like you know, I'm a backstreet brummy, really, and I never thought I'd end up in, in Moscow and Leningrad as well as playing people. And uh, you know, chess took me there. And I'm just so grateful for it. And so I talk about lots of experiences, how I found the game, uh, you know, lots of county uh, and, and club experiences that people can relate to. And also how I brought that into to love and women and work and how the game influenced all of that. And uh, it's it's... It's a personal memoir, I suppose, but it's 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 a guiding light for me. And the feedback so far has been really nice. I've had an email last week from a guy that said, you know what, I was in exactly the same position. Horrible childhood, found chess, I could have written that book. And I said, well, do so. All chess players out there, I think you should, I think the way to go now is not have a million books on chess openings. Whatever level you are, get writing. Publish and be damned. Write your memoirs. I mean, there's some good ones out there. A.P. Smith has just written his book, hasn't he? Fantastic. It's a brilliant book. Yeah. I take my hat off to him. I haven't read David Lamar's yet, but I will because I've got his other books. Mm. Why not do it? It's it's mm. something we can relate to and enjoy. You know, somebody said to me, oh, your book, well, $9.99. I said, hold on. If I paid you £9.99 for about 200 hours of your work, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you yeah, make you make a very good point because self-publishing has made this uh, much more achievable. And Andrew Smith was a hero of mine um, because we, you know, he he was uh, a member of Lewisham Chess Club when I joined, and uh, his games were always completely fascinating. Yeah, he he's uh, he used to there then. Oh yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm sorry, Adam's just just frozen. I think for the listener, I think we lost Adam. But yeah, his games are fascinating, and I. I emailed him and said, oh, I'm going to steal a couple of your ideas since you put it in the book there for all the world yeah. to see. And he, he, he said, oh, well, feel free. And so I tried one of these openings against Marcus Harvey, who came around the other night as a friend of mine, and he absolutely hammered me with it. So I'm going to try again. And I think as well, Carl, I think, I think, you know, you must be one of the people out there who's an example to a lot of other writers. You know, as I said to you before, you know, your writing certainly inspired me to write, and I'm sure it's inspired other people to do it. But I just mm. wondered, I mean... You know, as well as books, you know, all of your magazine articles, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to write maybe for a magazine or something? Is there any, any tips you would give them there? I'll tell you, there's a, there's a phrase that, I, that I've always held pretty much dear to myself. And it's, it's if, you ca- if you care what other people think about your work all of the time, you will always be their prisoner. Yeah. And that's really important. You know, if it's chess games and I edit a magazine for the military, they oh, I would send you my game, but I'm not very strong. Look, I don't care. Just do it. Just send the game. We'll, we'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think if you've got something and you want to write, don't don't put it off. Start start writing a book. Just write things down. You know, in the old days, we had typewriters, and if you made a mistake, it was the end of the, the, the world. It'd get more paper and whatever. Now we have a computer. You can just put things, file them, You've probably done it with your own books, Ben. You have a thought, you get it down, mm. and, and it will start to come together. Mm. Don't worry about the title. Often the title comes further down the line, yeah. almost at the end, as I'm sure you know. And yeah. just write. And once you, if you visualize something that you've written that you're happy with first and foremost, and you visualize that final product, like a book with the cover, you, you'll do it. You know, painters don't paint for other people. They paint for themselves. Yeah. Salvador Dali didn't paint for, for me. Painting for himself, and you write for yourself first and foremost. I think that's got to yeah. be. You've got to care about the work and value it absolutely on its own terms, and what then follows, then then follows. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to be a strong player. I mean, you you no. could start writing about chess and end up with a book 
like the role game, you know, by Stefan Zweig, mm, you know, or the Queen's Gambit. You don't have right. to be a strong player. No, you, people must have had dreams, weird chess dreams and ideas and things. They could carry, you know, we, we could still do with a few more chess murder mysteries and different things. Not, they're not the usual thing, but there are lots of different um, spins and experiences. I mean, mm. just to say, I think my favourite article I ever wrote was a dream. I, you know, I hardly ever dream, but I, I dreamt that I'd met um, Lasker in his study and the ghost of Lasker came and he tested me on a position. I'll have to try and refine that article. And you know when you have a dream and sometimes you wake up and you completely forget what you dreamt about, but mm. other times that dream stays mm. with you for mm. days and days. I actually, you know, he was there. He must have, mm. I, I either transported myself somewhere or what, and it was brilliant. I could have written about that and built on that and the, the, how far I'm going to write something. But I will just say this if you'll let me. Why not even start with a short story if people want to do it? You don't have to write some magnum opus mm. or more of it. Do a short story. Uh, people used to do that a lot in the 50s and 60s for, for British Chess Magazine. Mm. And uh, we, we should do that, just a few pages, something mm. with a bit of a twist at the end. So I just think do it. Don't, don't sit and wait and look at other people do things in life. Everybody's got the ability to do something out there. Mm. Have no, you got a chess novel sitting in a drawer waiting to be finished? Is that Ben? <laughs> no, ben, ben, Ben's gone. come out. Of the draw. I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ben's done this. Ben's done this. Very good. Uh, yeah, I've got a, uh, my problem is I've got a couple of ideas, but it, I uh, it might be a bit too hard hitting mine. You know, it might be a bit too gruesome. It might be. So I, I, I'm having to think of something else. I'll tell you what I'm thinking about now. I'm thinking about doing a book on something completely different. Mm. Nursery rhymes. I mean, we give nursery rhymes to kids, but if we really knew where nursery rhymes came from, Mother Goose was an old witch that they just changed their broom for. <laughs> They're really horrible, aren't they? They are. Four and twenty blackbirds baked in a pie. They used yeah. to call it that. Why kill the birds? Humpty Dumpty falls off a wall and breaks his head. Yeah, yeah they're really vicious. Yeah. <sighs> I just love the way you think, Cole, because you're, you, you just go, can go from so many different things just interest you and just, you know, the connections you make between stuff. So I'm sure whatever you write will be really, really good and really interesting. Yeah, well, it's probably limited interest, I suppose. But it, you know, I, just, I just like the idea that we do, in this, in this society we're in now where everybody seems to be offended and we're liberal, you think, oh, well, you're actually, you know, why, why did this guy march 10,000 men up to the top of a hill and down again? Just stop it. You know, yeah. it's just... Yeah, and, the, and the, the tales we used to have of kids that were fattened up and put in the oven to eat, what is that all about? So if, I could, if I could read chess somewhere in there, that'd be great, wouldn't it? It would be. But, that would yeah, be worth reading. I'm not on mind-expanding drugs, and I've never taken drugs, but my, my head is just weird things, but uh, I don't know. Magnus Carlsen pudding and pie or something, I don't know. There are. <laughs> um, but I, did, I have just written an article for prisoners telling them that the World Championship is on yeah. in November because, honestly, some people still think Bobby Fisher's alive. I mean, that's no joke. They, mm. they just don't know. They've been banged away a long time. And uh, it's great to, to fill them in now and say, you know, if you, if you do get an opportunity to watch on prison, well, mm. it's not really on TV, is it? That's another thing we should get doing. Mm. Chess on TV, but uh, are prisoners allowed to watch chess on the internet? It very much depends. Most often, not. It's really difficult. You know, they'll write and say, "Can I join the the English Chess Federation?" For example, and the ECF mm. will say, "Well, just email me." That well, can't email. Or, or the well, they really want to do correspondence chess, and they say, "Well, mm. just email." You can't. You have to write to somebody, and it's very hard for the prisoners. So. Mm. Um, and of course, there are different prisons. Category A, B, C, D depends. If you've got a prisoner full of sex offenders, for example, you can't. There's definitely no internet access, so mm. it's 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 difficult. But you know, we do what we we can. And I like mm. doing the simuls. There, it's not that I'm a good player, but I I seem to switch into another gear for simuls because I just don't want to lose and look like a complete prat, which is easily done. <laughs> Have but, you got uh, any advice for for novice simul givers? <laughs> Yeah, just, 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 I think just go with the flow. I, I, I don't like the idea that you play E4 on half the boards and D4 on another. I'll just mix it a, a little bit. I'll play E4, D4, Knight, F3, and then see what goes from there. Yeah. But always on one board, just one board. 
I will treat myself and play something crazy like A3 or whatever. Yeah. But you are at risk in that environment of upsetting people. Oh, what's going on here? Oh, what's, yeah. you know, what's happening? And I, I said in the book, I did one similar against about 20 lads. And there was one man, a little old man. He must have been about 150. Got a little berry on, little sniper glasses. And he wouldn't speak to me. And he barely shook my hand. And you know how this works. You only have to go around about five times and you work out who can play and who can't. And so you tailor your game accordingly because you don't want to thrash the beginners. You know, this guy was really good, wouldn't speak to me, wouldn't look at me. And it was the final game. And I knew, I knew it would be. Rock and porn end game. It was just it was just a nightmare. Went on for hours. All his mates were around him. And in the end, we did agree to a draw. And I said, okay, come on then, mate. Where did you learn to play? And in his lovely accent, he said, I come from old Russia. I played it, and I go, I thought so. Ah, oh, there we go. So, so there's always somebody. There's always a, a fox in the hen house there. Yeah, and like you say, you just don't know. You don't know. Like if you're giving like a civil in the outside world, you probably have a better idea for who you're up against and stuff. Yeah, well, you can't go in and say I want your strongest players on the top. They just won't play ball. They just and you get yeah. all the trash talk at first. You'd have this the long. I was going to say, do you get do you get a lot of banter? <laughs> Yeah, plenty of banter. I mean, yeah. uh, but I, I always say, when I stop doing this job with the ECF, and who knows when that might happen, you know, the next person, God love them, you can't be a wilting flower because you will have plenty of banter and they'll God. test you. They'll test you'll be, you. You'll be an, a very difficult act to follow yeah. in that, in that well, role, if not well, impossible. Well, Malcolm Payne and, and Chesney School do some fantastic work down there as well. And you've got to share the love. You know, so many prisons, so many things going on. You've got you. You really want everybody in some area of Britain near a prison doing something, but you know we don't have the resources all, all the time. We just keep going. So, well, know. if someone's listening to this and they and they they want to do something, is there anything that that they can do to help uh, further your cause, even yes. something simple? Yeah, I do get quite a few emails from people saying, I live here, you know, whatever county, how can I do this? And I say, look, write, find the address of your local prison that you want to work in, write to the governor uh, and tell them what you want to do. But, all, but most importantly, and I've definitely learned this, you don't just say, I want to do chess. You know, they'll go, yeah, well, really nice and whatever, I'm busy. You must tell them, what the benefit of what you're doing will be for the prison and the prisoners. Give it a wider perspective and say things like, you know, when you get a prison inspection from a Majesty's government, a chief inspector of prisons, they look for things like this. What makes your prison stand out? Well, we do a bit of extracurricular activity. We play chess on Thursday nights. It's a big tick in the box. So you're selling something bigger than chess before you're even pushing a pawn, so to speak. So do that. Be clear about what it is you want to to offer, and uh, and you know it's difficult. A lot of a lot of uh, people say no. They say we haven't, we can't afford to do it. And my answer is always to write back and say, I'll tell you now, you can't afford not to do it. <laughs> so, but then again, as Ben knows, I'm pretty belligerent and stubborn, so I don't <laughs> like letters that tell me no, I can't do it. Yeah, challenge. And I think that's yeah. I think that's part of what's taking you as far as you've gone, Carl, isn't it? You know, you don't take no for an answer and you you do make things happen, but I think other people wouldn't. Yeah, well, Pete, the world's full of excuses sometimes, and it's easy to blame resources. But uh, when you do get in the prison and then the and then the the officers look and see what happens when you get gangs, for example, that have been that would normally try to knife each other all sitting around tables just for that magic hour or two and they say we've never seen anything like it and i said well there you are then there's chess for you when they're fighting on a chessboard they're not fighting each other or the prison officers and then and then the uh, the light bulb goes on but the problem is of course they're transient i get some great prisoners and they keep letting them out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and do they keep the game up well they it's a, that's a, a good one, Adam. Sometimes I get left saying, look, I'm leaving now. I'm going out of prison. Can, can I come and see you? Can I come and stay with you? And, and all sorts of things. And I go, mm, well, look, I do chess in prisons, but I do want to know <laughs> if chess helps you. And so the, the point is, some people definitely have not gone to prison and mentioned that they enjoyed the chess and said, look, whereas at seven o'clock, I would be out burgling houses. I now go to a chess club. I enjoy my wow. chess. That's what I do. 
Jess taught me something there about self-discipline and it does make a difference. So, you know, we will have that and keep going. And so that can be read a little chapter on that in the book and, and lots of other things and my German experiences with the, with a strange, a man with a very strange German sausage to, uh, you know, being almost abducted by two uh, ladies of the night in, in, uh, in Russia. That was funny. And, uh, it's all it's a good laugh, you know. We need we all need to have a smile in these tough times, and I think my book must at least give that. Oh, that definitely it certainly made me smile. Oh, good. <laughs> good. No, that's brilliant. It's great, great to talk to you, Carl. Thanks for coming and, on. And to you, and and thanks to everyone. Can I ask one final question before I go? Of course. It's yeah. a naughty one to Ben. Because <laughs> <laughs> Ben Ben's for a little while now begun writing in chess magazine as well and i i honestly do consider him a superior writer to myself he's wonderful <laughs> no, that's definitely not at, true. <laughs> well i look at yours and let's give a shout out to as well because i look and think well where did he get this story where's he how's he done i thought i knew ben and he's, he's done this and he's done that Sonko <laughs> and these people how where is he doing all this he's got three girls as well He's got well, he's four girls, haven't you, with your wife? Four, yeah. four girls at home, <laughs> a full-time job, and he still gets out there and does it. So my question, Ben, is do you intend to write anything else yourself? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely, definitely, definitely. I think, I mean, it's funny, actually, because you actually gave me the really good tip for how to combine writing with a full-time job. I mean, you said this for years ago, Carl, and your tip was basically get up earlier and try and do a bit, and try and do a bit every day. The golden so hour. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 so that's 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 what I do. My best hour is in the morning. So I try and, and maybe I don't do it every day, but most days I will do at least an hour's writing. Um, I certainly want to do more columns and stuff, but I'm, I'm sort of um, talking to this Italian company that might want me to write a chess book and they were going to confirm it this month. So I'm just waiting to see. So if, if they do that, I'll do that next. And if wow. not, I'll definitely do another book. Yeah. Put a, a scoop on the podcast, you see? Yeah, that'd yeah. be fantastic. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. But it's like you say, I really think every, everybody should do it because writing is a bit like chess. Every game will open up something new for you and everything you write will probably open up something new for you. And, you know, you'll meet lots of people, you'll make new relationships, you'll come up with ideas, you know, over time that you wouldn't have had at the start. So but it's just so it's such a positive for everybody to do it. And I think, yeah. Carl, you know, you, you know, we'd be so lucky. These last two podcasts we had, our last podcast was, was, was with David Lamar, and now we've got you on. So I think, you know, the pair of you have been such an inspiration, and you know, you, you are definitely the two that everybody who wants to write should look up to and, you know, should, should follow your examples. Well, that's probably far too nice of me, but I, I, thought I'd find before I go, it's the very last one to Adam, if I may. Adam, why, why do you organize all these events? In a nutshell, why do you keep doing it? Do you, do you really want the honest answer? Yeah, honestly, I, I, I genuinely do. I, t I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, I just like watching people playing chess. Um, I, I really, I mean, it's it's about, if, if I had to go into the psychological roots of it, it would be, I I, I like, it's conflict resolution. Um, mm. I know, because I, I grew up in, in a household that, that, you know, where there were lots of arguments and it was, it was there was a lot of turmoil and, you know, f for me, when when I watch people play chess, it, it's it's kind of like bringing peace to the Middle East. You know, it's it's just I just love watching people play chess. If I can, you know, um, getting bums on seats at a chess tournament is so satisfying. It's almost as satisfying as playing chess, um, and it just does something to my brain, which which is which is healthy. That's, that's the only reason I can say it's not, you know, genuinely, it's not, it's not money. It's not ego. It, mm. It's not that I want to impose myself on other people. It's just, it's literally just that. It's the reward of watching it, which is why we do these yeah. things. It's just the reward of doing yeah. it. Yeah. And I um, tried organizing other things, Carl. I mean, I really tried doing, doing other things. So I thought, Oh, I like organizing and I tried organizing other things and I never really got any satisfaction yeah. from it. Yeah. That's yeah, strange. Well, I, I'll uh, when when it's all up and running, I'll have to get you two guys, maybe into a prison or something, or get you up here and we'll yeah, uh, be great. come come round and we'll we'll hold up, we'll do an event, we'll get something that gets us back into the groove or something, and uh, something nice. We'll work on it. I can't yeah, get Paul Gajewski because he's long since gone. God bless him, but uh, we'll work on something. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want my book my book is still in chess and 
Chess and Bridge, but... Baker Street, fantastic. Yeah. Shop. Get in there, get the book, otherwise. You know. Yeah. Get well, two copies. Christmas two is copies. coming. Give it to someone. Well, I did. I went on Twitter and said, "There's a shortage of fuel. There's a shortage of turkeys." And I did a, a joke thing and said, "There's a shortage of words." Well, there are loads of words in my book, so get my book now. And that's <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Very yeah, good sales pitch. Go. There you it's go, lads. Way to go. Brilliant. All right. Well, brilliant. love to all of you. It's be been good. lovely talking Cheers, to you. Carl. Cheers, Adam. Pretty good to see you both. Yeah. Goodbye. See you again. See you again soon. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. What lovely lads. <laughs> Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you like this, why not sign up for my free newsletter? Just Google The Chess Circuit. There's a free version and there's a paid version and your support is always welcome. See you on the next podcast.